0: Be with you. We are starting our new series today, which is Encounter God. We are trusting that you you will in the series encounter God, know Him better, that the reality of who He is will be opened up to you. If you haven't gotten our devotional, we have written a devotional for you that is to go with your small group experience. So if you haven't got that, you can buy that devotional at the book table right after the service, or you can download it from our website. So if you, we would love you to journey with us on this and, and that this would be a moment where you could, you could encounter God in a new and powerful way. Amen. So Lord, I pray that today you would come and you would do a work in our hearts that's bigger than we've ever asked for. Lord God, I I keep on hearing your voice saying I'm doing more than you've ever imagined. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that that would become obvious to us today. I pray that you would crack the sky, open our minds, deliver us in such a way that we can see, hear, and know you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and change us. Lord God, we don't want to just be a church for the sake of being here. We want to be here to meet with you. And Holy Spirit, as we've met with you in worship, Lord God, I'm asking that we would meet with you in the word. We would meet with you in the word. Amen and amen and amen. Encounter God and we're talking about God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one today. You know, it was a deeply unsettling experience for me when I discovered that the world doesn't run on superstars. It was a deeply unsettling experience for me. My teenage dreams to be the next Whitney Houston or Olivia Newton-John were dashed immediately. You know, maybe my singing voice had something to do with it. But in addition to that, in addition to that, I discovered that Whitney Houston didn't write her own songs. I know it was, it was deeply, deeply unsettling for me. It became obvious that, that she was the face of an entire network of people working towards an end. And it occurred to me that the world doesn't run on superstars, it runs on community. So I don't know who your superhero is. I know it's Jesus, but those other superheroes, maybe Elon Musk, how about The Weeknd, Beyonce, you know, someone that you aspire to, every single one of them, behind them, behind them, is a multitude of people working towards that end and they are simply the face of it. The world does not run on superstars. It runs on community. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and and the spirit was hovering, hovering over the waters. And into this exciting and chaotic, energetic moment the voice of the Lord rang out, let there be light. And there was light. And all of creation began. Right at the beginning, God introduces himself to us in a very profound way. Right at the beginning, God says he created the world, but beautifully, the words that he inspired the writer to use, for him, for him, in the beginning, God—that God there is plural. In the beginning, God, and then He goes on and speaks in the singular, created the heavens and the earth. In other words, right at the beginning, He wants you to know that He's a community, that He's more than one, that He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That this great creation could not have happened unless God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And out of this this incredible community was birthed the world. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, absolutely one, absolutely united, absolutely powerful, absolutely able to do anything. You see, At the very center of the universe is a community. At the very center of the universe, there is a community and his name is Yahweh. At the very center of the universe, there is a community and his name is Yahweh. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Absolutely in unity. Working together. The Father Adoring the Son, honoring the Spirit, at one with them both. The Son, following the Father, delighting in Him, honoring, lifting Him up, proclaiming His name. (laughs) And the Spirit... The Spirit, hearing the words, let there be light and declaring into the void, yes, and bringing forth light. Absolutely unified, absolutely together, absolutely adoring one another, absolutely living, lifting one another. If you see one, you see them all. Joy unspeakable that moves between the father and the son, complete peace between the spirit and the father, the father, the eternal originator of all things, the son, the word, the manifestation of God, the the physical, tangible manifestation of God to the world. And the spirit, the essence, and the nature of God that fills everything. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, absolutely one. At the center of the universe is a community. Just like God is creator, so you and I, we create. Do you know that? Did you know that? that every thought you think and every choice you make is like a brick. Every word you speak, every action you do is like a brick. And when you think and when you do and when you act and when you choose, each of these actions becomes a brick in a house that you are building with your actions, with your words, and with your thoughts. And your life will have to live within the bounds of those walls that you build. And you know, there may be a a place where the world you build, the house you build looks exactly like God's and God's world that he's building overlaps with yours and there's joy and there's life and there's pleasure and there's delight. But there may be places that what you have built with your words and your actions and your life differs vastly from the world that God has built and is building And in that place, there will be pain and hardship and frustration. How does your house look in comparison to the world that God is building? How does your life that you have built with your words, your thoughts, your actions, your choices look in comparison to the world? where the Father adores the Son, where the Son finds absolute joy in the Father, where the Spirit serves the purposes of the Father and Son and and finds complete satisfaction in His relationship with them. How does that world compare with your world? You see, Jesus... He stepped in our, into our world, and one of the reasons he did that is to break out some walls. He came to knock down some, some structures that we would put in place, and to say there's more than this, I'm inviting you into this, this magnificent relationship that I have with my Father, this perfect unity, this absolute joy. Take away that wall and Come. Come and be with me. Come and be in the glory of my presence. Come and be with my Father in that perfect unity and that perfect glow of satisfaction. Come and be there with me. He came to knock down some walls. He came to knock down some walls in your life. He came down to knock some some walls down in my life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I give you permission to not done anything that I have built that stands in the way of me knowing you. Jesus, while he was busy knocking down walls. I mean, you, you've read the Gospels. You know how he was just a complete disruptor sometimes. He brought so much peace to the downtrodden, but to the, the powerful, he was disruptive. And he, he moved in an opposite spirit and he did some crazy and very obviously things that were going to set things straight. Right towards the end of the time that he was here on earth. He prayed a prayer, a public prayer. He, pray, he prayed it publicly. And, and this means that he wanted us to know what he was praying. Because Jesus often prayed secretly. But this time, he prayed out in public. And he prayed to his father. You can read it in John 17. And it's, it's a beautiful example of his relationship with his father. He's, he's pouring out his heart to his father. And in verse 20, he says an astounding thing. He looks past the ages, not to just his disciples that he'd been praying for a moment earlier, but he looks down the ages to you and me. And his prayer changes and he begins to pray for us. As you loved me. You know, when I first read that part of the prayer, I hadn't been saved long. When I read that part of the prayer, I was offended. My rampant individuality was like, God, I don't know if I want to be one with them. You know, when I stand here, I mean, I'm asking this, do I want to be one with you? Not you. The person sitting here on this chair right in the front, that person. You know, the person maybe that sits in front of you with the strange clothing. I don't know. But you know, the, the sense inside of us does not want to be lost in the big crowd. It's like somehow, if I, if I become one like that, will the essence of who I am be lost in the dominance of everyone around me in the, the crowd around me? How, how will who I am be present still? And the answer is cheesecake. Oh, yes. <laughs> the answer is cheesecake. Because when I look at this word, this scripture, I think of cheesecake. You know, I was about 10 when someone introduced me to cheesecake. I don't know, maybe you grew up just eating cheesecake from birth, I'm not sure. But me, I, I encountered it at about the age of 10. And they... It was an aunt of mine, and she said, Carol, would you like a piece of cheesecake? Now, I knew cheese. Cheese was those yellowy-orangey slices that you put on bread or macaroni. I like cheese. Cake, I knew. Cake is that fluffy white stuff that you have at birthdays with the icing on top. I knew cake, too. But she didn't say cheese or cake. She said cheesecake. And I was like, how does cheese and cake go together? And then I tasted it. And I never looked back. (laughs) I had no more questions. All I knew was cheesecake works. In cheesecake, cheese is better than it ever was before. And in cheesecake, cake is better than it ever was before. And I realize that the union of these two things makes them better. That it magnifies their good properties. And suddenly, I, I, when I look at this, I see a God who knows that when he is unified in himself, that the Spirit and the Son magnify the Father, and the, the Father and the Spirit magnify the Son, and together, the glory of who each of them are as individuals is magnified to the world. And then I could see, it's like Cheesecake. When God is calling me into this union, could you see that in the, in the scripture that he was saying that he wanted us to be one with him like he is one? There's an invitation into the Trinity. There's an invitation to be in that perfect union with him. And then there is an invitation for us to be with each other in that same way. And you don't lose the essence of who you are. In fact, who you are becomes magnified in that union, in that unity, I'm just checking that I'm on the right sermon. Turns out I am. But you know, social media wants you to think that the way to fulfilment is radical self-expression. They want you to think that the way you become happy is by developing yourself to the maximum, by pampering yourself to the maximum, by creating a world around yourselves that makes you look good. Social media is driving this home to us all the time. And yet here we have such a disruptive thought. That perhaps if you need to be the person you are meant to be, we need to look at a God who created everything in the blueprint of himself. And that means that we need to be in a community and in relational unity. And when we are in that, who we are becomes maximized. Who we are actually becomes greater and better and alive and more powerful and more satisfying. What would a world look like if our government thought like this? What does South Africa look like if our politicians were more eager that the well being of the MP next to them? was created or looked after than they were about their own well-being what would it be if the parties were so unified about the goodness of God being shown in South Africa than they were about their own power and their own agenda what would a nation look like where the imprint of God Father Son and Holy Spirit that relational unity and that perfect oneness was stamped upon our government look pretty fantastic okay that's a big thought Let's take it a bit smaller. What would it look like if that kind of unity was present in your family? If every member was committed to the well-being of every member. Okay, let's bring it closer to home today. What would that look like if that were true in this church? What would it look like if we rejoiced in each other's success, that it was never my success, it was our success? What would it look like if we, if we loved one another with this kind of perfect love where we found joy in our relationships, where we chose one another above ourselves over and over and over? What would it look like? When a mom could come in here harassed and having a hard time with her children and find two or three people that would just grab them for and say, you have a break, we'll take care of them now. What would it look like when an experienced engineer walks in here and sees some young students um, beginning to make their life and said, hey, let me help you work this out. What would it look like if the Nature of the Trinity was stamped on our church. Well, interestingly enough, there's a place in the Bible where it it happened. It almost happened anyway, where humanity was so united around a task. You can find it in Genesis 11. And it has a good side and it has a bad side. Because they were absolutely united, but they were absolutely united about the wrong thing. They decided that they wanted to be famous. They wanted to be in charge. And so they thought, come on, let's all get together and make a name for ourselves. You know the story in Genesis 11. They built a tower and they, they meant to build this tower all the way up to God's presence. And, and it wasn't that they wanted to know God. It's that they wanted to bring God down to, him, to, to them and make him subservient to their desires for the world. We know the story. God, God was like, heck, that's not going to work. So he came down and he confused their language. And they were divided and they were sent. He, Created the nations of the world. But Jesus stepped into that divided world. And we know what happened in Pentecost. He poured out his spirit on us and he reunited us with one tongue, the language of the spirit. And it was said of those men and women at that time, way back when in Genesis 11, it was said, and the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have one language. Nothing they propose to do will be impossible for them. What would it look like if the image of the Trinity was stamped on this church? Nothing would be impossible for us. What would it look like if the image of the Trinity was stamped on your family, was stamped on your workplace, was stamped on this nation? It would look like nothing is impossible for them. Jesus' final command to us was make disciples of all men. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go into all the nations. Make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can you see what he's doing? He's asking us. This perfect union that exists between me, my Father, and the Spirit of the living God. When you make disciples, will you bring them in to this unity? Will you bring them into this community? Would you establish the pattern of who I am on this world? Would you love one another? Would you care for one another? Would you celebrate one another's successes? Would you mourn with each other? Would you rejoice with one another? so that the world would look and see the glory of my presence shining from your churches and shining from your communities, and they would come running to be a part of that. Mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, friends, Looking for the best, not just for me, but for us. Knowing that a win for you is a win for all of us. Us living together and forging new relationships where it's difficult with people who don't look like us, people who come from a different culture from us, and it's difficult at first, and you, you kind of do it faultingly, and, and you know the other person is awkward also, and they're receiving it like a little bit faultingly, but you persevere anyway. Was why? Because we have an image that we must press onto our relationships and that is of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Everyone different, everyone whole, but everyone one. So we praise past the awkwardness. We pursue those relationships. How about improving old relationships? Forgiving where we need to. Making right where we need to. Forgiving as we have been forgiving, forgiven. Loving as we have been loved. And celebrating with others as God celebrates us. see, at the center of the world is a community, and his name is Yahweh. United to God and to one another, the world moves forward from broken to wholeness. United to God and united to one another, the world moves forward from brokenness to wholeness. My friends, we have no other choice. If we want a whole world, we must say yes to the whole of who God is. We must allow him to break out our walls. We must allow him to see, allow him to let us see as he sees. We must press past the awkwardness of new relationships and we must establish a beachhead of unity of wholeness, of togetherness, of each of us being fully ourselves, but each of us saying yes to the the fullness of the other person. And in so doing, the world moves forward from brokenness to wholeness.